Welcome to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of Greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode seven of Gone to the Dogs. I'm Danny Jackson, and as always, my co-pilot is... It's me, Joe. Hello, listeners. How are you all doing? Danny, how are you? You had a wedding on Monday. Have you recovered yet? No, no. You can probably hear from the rest of the podcast that Joe has tried to help me through it because I have not been on top form, I have to say. Thankfully, we did the interview with Nathan Hunt on Sunday, so I think I was okay for that. But the betting side of things in the intro, we'll see how we get on. But yeah, um, too many tequilas, too much wine, too many Proseccos and yeah. It was, I mean, it was a fabulous, fabulous day, but my goodness me, did I feel it on Tuesday and Wednesday good. and now. <laughs> well, not good, but yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. That's all I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. And and I know you'll edit out any bits where I help you because you have the final say in all those things. So I know your game. And I'd just like to caveat something as well, because when we did the Nathan interview on Sunday, I was absolutely shattered as well. So I haven't heard that back yet, but I was feeling pretty tired. So hopefully I don't come across sounding like I'm, uh, you know, about to fall asleep or anything like that. Well, I'll basically cut you out, Joe, so it's all good. No, okay, I'm good choice. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Joe, how are you doing this week? Yeah, great. I'm really excited about the Hunt Cup. Uh, you know, we've got the anti-post favourite for that, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. We'll go through that with, with Lofty, who's joining us again. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, really excited about that kicking off tonight, first first round heat. So that's great. And then, um, as you know, we've got a baby coming on the way really soon. So I was just, that's all I'm thinking about. I've had a busy week at work. There's a lot going on. Um, but my head's just thinking... Baby, baby soon, baby, baby. soon. So, uh, <laughs> so that's great. No, life, life is good. Brilliant news, and also life is good in the greyhound world as well because we've had three fabulous winners over the last week. We'll start with the RPG TV Juvenile and Arcady, who managed to win from <laughs> the stripes. I could get on my soapbox about many different things about commentating, but. Quite frankly, there is no point because it's not going to change. However, it was Arcady who won the RPG TV Juvenile and he did it in very fine style. I was really impressed with him from the stripes, Joe. He is a very quick dog is our candy. Brilliant. And he <laughs> and he but burst out the traps, made all and wasn't for catching Romeo Command. You know, was staying on late, late at the end. Um, he was a short post favorite, but look, Arcady is a, is a very, very good dog. Laid down his credentials for the for the Derby itself, but mm. but you know, as a standalone event, the Juvenile is a fantastic race, and he took home the five bags. He certainly did, Arcady, the winner of the RPG TV Juvenile. Uh, we're going to go for Brookside Richie next in the Arc Northern Flat. What did you make of his performance, Joe? He he was the favourite for the competition, um, and he and he got out and won it easily. Let's face it, it was a bit of a procession. He's he's a very good dog, you know. No disrespect to the to the lineup in the Northern Flat. There were some very good grounds in it, but it maybe doesn't lack the strength and depth of, of some of the others. Which is great though, if you're a Northern based trainer um, and people can't be bothered to come up and and try and plunder the prize money. Happy days. And let's get, I'm not being disrespectful at all to Brookside Richie as well, because Brookside Richie is an outstanding greyhound. He's he's very quick, Um, you know, and he, um, he just, as I said, he won it very comfortably in the end, didn't he? He certainly, certainly did. And then from post to pillar in the arc camp plate. Oh my word. What a dog he is. You know, he's just, he just, 
flew past them like they were all stood still. That was the performance for me that really, I've always known he's been, you know, he is very, very good. But just to blow past the field that he was in, like he did, was absolutely phenomenal. And I can't wait to see him again already. He's <laughs> he's just unbelievable. He's he's an absolute aeroplane, machine, freak, whatever you want to call them. He is unreal. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see him in the derby. I think he's going to be great, Joe. Well, as I keep saying, he's box office, isn't he? And you just summed it up perfectly then. I can't wait to see him again. That's what he brings. You know, you see the way he runs and you just think this fella's got some gears and I can't wait to see what he does next. It was a brilliant uh, field on paper, brilliant mm. final. All six dogs. I mean, Arcadia was back in sixth there. Um, <laughs> did get crowded on the on the third. I mean, basically, Hope Paddington and, and Arcadia battled it out. They, they was a bit of a coming together, but from sort of midway down the back straight, from the from the third bend, from post to pillar, just, just his gears kicked in. He swooped round the field. And he battered him by eight and a, and a half lengths. So that, as I said, he, he was maybe flattered with a winning distance because of that. You know, there was a little bit of scrimmage in him behind, mm. and all all five of the other dogs sort of were covered by maybe a length. It was sort of in a heap. But I mean, he he still blew past him, and he stayed on strongly to to take the crown. And uh, yeah, I mean, he turned it into a bit of a procession in the end. And I can't wait to see what the plan is next for him. You know, people keep saying about his derby credentials he can't afford to miss the break at toaster you know it's going to be full of very quick dogs and it does seem to suit front runners so will he get away with it but I can't, you know i'm looking forward to seeing what he, what he can do he's very short in the anti-post market now isn't he for the for the derby mm. um i think i've seen sort of seven to one and things like that so wouldn't okay. be for me but but these are the sorts of dogs that you need to market and get out there. These are the sort of dogs that are going to capture the imagination of the wider public and not just you and I who watch Greyhound Racing all the time. And, you know, probably the people that listen to the podcast, he is someone we need to get behind, push out. You know, Hope's Paddington as well. Could she's the cat one winner, Claire Keith Remy, Droop is Google, fantastic young dog. And Arcadia, you know, they're all they're all great dogs and we should be pushing these stars of the sport out far and wide. Couldn't agree with you more. So very excited about from poster pillar and uh, his target, the Derby. We've got a couple of uh, bits of big news as well. The first regarding Yarmouth and the Georgian St. Ledger. Yeah, I mean, it's just missing in action, really. I haven't seen anything about this, but the on the GBGB Cat 1 calendar at the start of the year, the final of the Georging St. Ledger at Yarmouth was due to be the 25th of March. Obviously, that hasn't taken place. No heat, no mention of it. Someone did get back to me on Twitter because I said, Where, where's it gone? Um, someone said apparently they did, they didn't find a sponsor for it, so it's no longer taking place. But it's a it's a prestigious Cat One event and, and trophy. And that's that's a big shame. I, I don't know if any of our listeners know whether it's going to be rescheduled for later on in the year or, or whether it's just not happening this year. I'd be interested to know. But uh, yeah, MIA St Ledger Yarmouth mm. Donde 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 Estas. Appealing to our wider audience there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if anybody does know, do let us know what's going on. Um, at Totally Betting is Joe, at Danny V. Jackson is me. And also the other big news, which pertains to our interview later on as well with Nathan Hunt, is Mark Wallace. Yeah, so there was a really good article on the Greyhound Star. Um, and it's much better that you read um, Floyd's article on the, on the website rather than me talk through it. But ultimately... What's happening, it seems, is that Mark Wallace is going to be training exclusively uh, for, for Mike Davis and his and his partner, Michelle. 
Um, the idea is they're going to spend the seven, seven figure sums um, upgrading the kennels, you know, doing a lot of work there to the to the facility. All the staff are going to remain the same. He's going to pay them, you know, not minimum wage, good, good money. He wants to treat everyone well. They're going to have between 25 and 30 dogs, I think, is the optimum number. They're going to they've already said they're going to pay big money for good quality dogs. Um, and, and try and build success that way. So it's very similar to what sort of Michael Owen and that did at Manor House Stables um, and, and built that facility for horse racing. And obviously they brought in Tom Dascom, who's been now been replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it seems like it's a similar sort of setup. Um, and who knows whether other big owners with, with big money, there are plenty out there, might do or try a similar thing. Um but it, but it, yeah, really, really interesting development, and it, and it sounds positive. And all, I mean, I look forward to seeing the facilities when they're finished as well. And you know, they've got big grand plans. And as I said, you know, that was really good article by, by Floyd in the Ground Star, and it's definitely worth a read. Yeah, certainly. Uh, jump on that if you haven't read the news so far. But wish uh, Mark the best of luck as well uh, with his new venture going forwards. Top guy, love Mark. I think that's it for the news roundup for this week. And we can dive in with both feet to our fantastic interview with Nathan Hunt. Nathan, tell us about your journey to training. Where did it all start? Uh, so it started when I was about 10, 11. I um, become friends with Robert Short. Um, he was lived in the same street as me and his mother Lynn runs Swansea Ground Stadium. Um, so yeah, it went from there really. We started um, just had a dog in his garden. Um, we used to walk the one bitch together. We ended up having two leads for the one dog. Um, and then his mother eventually then bought another bitch for us to, to have. And um, yeah, started from there. And then Swansea shut. So Lynn decided, originally we, we were just going flapping other tracks, like obviously Estramanac. Um, it was the other track in Wales. And then of uh, like Ellesmere Port up in Liverpool and um, West Oldham, we used to go there. Uh, but then eventually Lynn decided to take her license out. And uh, so we started off racing at like Swindon, Coventry, Perry Bar. Um, just doing it as a hobby, really. On the weekends, I'd go racing with them. And um, so, yeah, started off there. Um, you know, I had the bug pretty much straight away. And then um, Lynn bred a litter. It was the second litter of a bitch that we had. Um, she actually broke the track record at Astromanach. And secondly, I came up Um, I wanted to buy a pup out of well, it was when I started working then, so I was able to afford it. And um, Patrick Jansen's actually sold his supplements and stuff at Perry Bar, so I was chatting to him and he recommended Phil Simmons to rear the pup. Um, so yeah, I got in contact with Phil then and um, asked him to rear it really, and that was the start of my journey then into you know doing it as a full time job. We brought Henry up as a pup at three months old. With uh, Phil decided to take three of the litter uh, as well. He had a litter of two weeks apart from ours, but he'd only had two in the litter. Um, so he was keen to make the numbers up and rear the six together. So brought them up when they were three months old, and then it was it was about when Henry was about fifteen months old that Phil 
asked would I be interested in doing it as full-time really um but yeah I think some things are just meant to happen like if Phil had had a litter a large litter then he probably wouldn't have been able to take my pup so things happen for a reason and they work out you know the way they did and yeah obviously really glad that things worked out then and and Nathan how did you end up then East England are you in Cambridgeshire at the moment is that right is that where your kennels are yeah so Phil's um kennels are in Cambridge so that's how I moved up then when I was 21 I moved here just started off as kennel and to Phil and then um yeah worked my way up to assistant trainer we, yeah 2015 I moved here and then then it happened that the pub obviously was Castell Henry and he went on to win the puppy derby at Monmo in 2016 it was a dream start really couldn't have worked out any better so from the kennel hand to full-fledged trainer how long does that kind of take so obviously we had the young people on the last podcast and they were saying oh it could take a few years I'm hoping by the time I'm 25 so how long did it take you um so I think you have to be a kennel and for a couple of years before you can you know, become a head kennel and and then an assistant trainer it might be a little bit different it might be a bit of quicker process but Phil definitely you know went through that route uh so it was 2015 I, I was a kennel and for Phil and then it was 2020, February 2020 was when I'd become a, a trainer. Um, you know, we spoke about it for a while. Uh, the end of 2019, uh, we spoke to Romford, I think, and just checked if it, if they were happy with it. And then, yeah, it took a couple of months to, you know, go through the process. But then, yeah, February 2020 is when I took the licence over. And then the month later, you went, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was... <laughs> It wasn't that bad. I mean, we were racing for, I don't know, X amount of weeks and then we come into lockdown, so it was a bit strange. And it was like, just as you get started, we managed to win a little uh, Category 2 competition, British bred at Romford with Go, Pat, Go. And then, um, yeah, not long after that, we went into lockdown, so it was really strange. Um, so just as you get going, you know, a bit of excitement winning the competition and then it all comes to a halt. So, yeah, um, we had 10 weeks without racing, so... But it was it was nice because then it gave us time to do things at the kennel that we wanted to do, yeah, and get things sorted. And, and then I was lucky enough; I had a lot of new dogs coming in as well. Um, during COVID as well, we had um a peak in reoming, so there was a lot of dogs being reomed really quickly, which helped me out a lot really because I was taking in a lot of new dogs for a lot of new owners as well. So of course, it was bad that we we stopped racing, but then good things come out of it as well. So when you took over the kennel, Nathan, did you you just said you made some adjustments in that time to the kennels, but did you have your own vision? Was there a lot of work, work to do to change it into how you wanted or was it pretty much, you know, business as usual? The routine is very much the same. Um, it was just more refurbished a lot of the kennels. So we was able to do that. And when you're not racing, it's a much it's a much easier, you know, to do those sort of jobs. Um, you know, when you've got builders at the kennels, it's not it, not ideal if you've got a busy racing kennel there as well. So yeah, that helped. Um, but yeah, the routine and everything's pretty much the same. I mean, Phil had a lot of success, so you know there was nothing really I wanted to change dramatically about that. Obviously, I have my different ideas and stuff like that, but yeah, nothing dramatically. So talk us through a typical day at the kennels. We don't get many normal typical days. Obviously, the routine <laughs> for the dogs is pretty the same, but then. Uh, I could be somewhere one day, one week, and then it all changes. But yeah, we do. We f- we feed breakfast in the mornings to the dogs. They all get let out, clean you know, clean out the kennels, do the breakfasts, 
I know a lot of kennels don't feed breakfast, but you know, I'm very keen to keep that going, really, two meals a day. Um, so they're let out, you know, after that, we just do the general grooming as well and stuff like that for the dogs about advanced cards and, and check all the dogs there. And then we feed like lunchtime. And then, well, obviously, the red dogs are racing in the night, they just have a race feed, things like that. And then we usually finish by about two o'clock, and then the dogs are let out later on, then. You know, late afternoon, early evening. It depends really on the time of year as well. That changes obviously when we've had hot spells as well and end up letting out later because it's just too hot in the afternoon. Like last year was unbelievable, some of the weather we had. So, yeah, that's pretty much an average day. But as I say, like uh, some days I'll be off going racing or trialing in the afternoons, you know, uh, we have to, you know, quickly grab lunch or something like that. And then straight back to it so everything is good I mean it's good to have different thing I wouldn't want to be doing the same thing every day I think you become stuck in a rut there where you're just doing the same thing it comes to monotonous but it's nice to you know I'm in a fortunate position I've got dogs I can take to different tracks so it, you know it keeps you um the enthusiasm going anyway who was your first winner when you got your license um, I first graded when I was um at Romford with a dog called Binksy Brave. I think it was my first first day of having runners. Um, the racing manager was a bit hard on me to begin with, probably still hard on me now actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was my first graded winner, and then first open winner was Wine Tavern Curly at Sheffield. That would that gave me a you know massive buzz really to have my first open winner. So yeah, probably never forget that. Um. Never forget those first first two winners anyway. You know, the, the dogs that you'll remember that maybe that stand out as favourites, either due to that success or the first, you know, races that they've won or just their personalities. Which ones are the standouts for you over the years? Obviously, the ones who give you success, you'll always remember. Um, but, yeah, you get a lot of dogs. They all have their quirky personalities. Um, some dogs are very laid back, very quiet, but then you get some that are just absolute crackers. Um, we're just working out which what they like, you know. I think one's big part of it is a skill really that is is partner up the right dogs because we we mainly kennel two dogs in the kennel together, and it's just getting them personalities right, you know. Get get at the end they want to get the best out of the dog, so they've got to be happy with the partner they're with. Like no point putting a dog that doesn't get on with another one. It's about getting the right match and striking up a relationship with with them as well. And what's your capacity at the kennels at the moment? How how many do you have? And is there space for any more? We've probably got capacity for around 73, 74. Um, plus then we'd have a litter of pups. We try and have a litter of pups every year. We've got six six there now, which is seven months old. And then we just had another litter ball a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're always pretty much fortunate to be in a position where we're all always pretty much at full capacity a lot of the time it's, it's like if one goes out for rearming and pretty much straight away there's one coming in so fortunate in that position yeah very lucky to have um, a very good team of owners behind me supporting me and um, yeah very lucky in the sense that I, I own one dog at the kennel at the minute as one of the homebreds um, but he's probably coming to an end now so, yeah, very lucky to be in a position where the majority of the dogs have got owners. Uh, Phil's got a couple of the homebreds as well. So so with that many greyhounds, how many members of staff do you have working for you? 
Uh, I think in total is eight members of staff. Um, normally, I a normal day there'd be three members of staff plus myself, and then obviously because we've got such a busy racing schedule, we're pretty much racing every day. We can't. We're pretty much supplying dogs at Romford and Monmo every day except a Wednesday and a Sunday. Um, and a Wednesday could be a trial day at Romford as well. So pretty much that's a full time job for someone as well. So yeah, it's a busy schedule. Um, so you need a a big uh team of staff, and you know. I'm very fortunate. I've got a good team behind me as well. Some that have been there from uh since Phil was there, and then some you know they've come along since. So yeah, very fortunate that we've got a good team there. Um, impossible to do it alone. So yeah, you need a good team at home, and you know that you know if I go off open racing, then I know everything's going to be fine at the kennels as well. And you just mentioned the owners there, Nathan. Uh, tell us a bit about about them. Have you got a wide variety as well as some loyal guys and ladies behind you? Uh yeah, there's been obviously there's ones that have supported me from the start. A lot of older there's there's still older owners there that have um carried over from when Phil had the license and have supported me since I took the license over. I think Phil was keen when he did retire, he could see that um it's probably a younger person's game now and then I would attract more younger owners, you know, closer to my age group. And um yeah, it's worked out that way definitely. I've got a lot of owners you know within probably 10-15 years of myself anyway very lucky that I've got two owners Pat Huckle and Rob Howe started off with me from the beginning and now they've they, they helped me set up the Nathan and Racing Club so they run the syndicate for me and that's helped helped attract uh, other owners as well so we've got owners from all around the country really um, through syndicates and stuff like that and that's that's growing really well at the moment we've had a nice bit of success uh, the syndicate managed to land uh, a little competition at Romford at the beginning of this year. So things are going well with the syndicates. Uh, definitely, you know, I think especially this time, the world that we live in now, obviously things are a lot tighter. So syndicates are a great way for people to get involved. It makes it a little bit more affordable. Um, and then obviously we're attracting more owners who are happy to go out and buy dogs on their own as well. So, yeah, we've got a great mix there. And as I say, I'm very fortunate. I've got a great group supporting me and... Um, yeah, as I say, we've you know year on year since I've took over, we've we've got stronger every year, and it's a thanks to the owners really for supporting me. And with the Nathan Hunt Racing Club, obviously it does seem to be a success. You see runners uh, dotted about. How do people get involved? Um, predominantly for through Twitter, really. I think the last couple of months, especially the page has been run really well. Um, there's a lot of promotion there, really. And um, so if anyone was interested, then they get in contact through, you know, messaging the, the account there, which I don't actually run myself. Um, I have no involvement in it. Uh, Pat and Rob run the Twitter account. And then, um, you know, if I tend to find most of the dogs for the syndicate, um, majority of the dogs, I would say I'd, I'd recommend to them. And then um yeah they they go out and you know try and get a price and buy the dog and then we put it out then to you know existing members we always keep um the dogs to 10 shares per per dog uh just to make them more manageable and then um yeah get offered out to the uh, existing owners and then you know if there's any other shares go up left over then it, it you know they get put on social media and uh yeah as i say we've got a lot of, we've had a lot of interest through that and it's um it's ever expanding really. So 
we'll right. have that in the show notes for you as well. So you, uh, if you want to get involved, then check out the show notes and we'll have the Twitter handle there. And there was some big news that I saw break on RPG TV last week, Nathan. Um, it looks like Nick Gill's going to be sending his dogs to be trained by you. So that must be pretty exciting. It is, yeah. Um, I was, you know, honoured to really take the call from Nick. Obviously, he was um, looking to move his team. Uh, well, originally, I think I thought I probably thought he'd just be, you know, new dogs going forward in the future. Um, but then Nick had a think about it, and I think he was keen to have majority of his dogs at one kennel. So um, yeah, obviously we've taken on six new dogs, some very good dogs, some very good, some dogs coming towards the end of their career, but um, two stars that everyone will know really that hopefully we can continue the success they've had. They've got already got fantastic CVs, um, but yeah, hopefully we can just continue that for him, and then um, exciting for the future as well you know because nick will um always look to buy a you know an exciting sort of dog and um yeah really privileged to to be able to have the dogs that he's already got and um have have him and uh, amanda as owners in the kennel and you've got a serious derby contender already in hopes paddington yeah he's he's um he's just a professional dog really he's um out and out competition dog so far i was actually offered him when he was in ireland and I had no one to buy him, so I was I had to pass on him, and then obviously Nick ended up buying him, and um, they've had great success with him. So, you know, exciting to have a dog with him. Hopefully, he settles into our routine, and we can um, continue. Yeah, he's obviously got a fantastic record at Toaster, and obviously, yeah, he's up there in the betting. So, hopefully, you know, come come what the first round of the Derby, he's in um, he's in great form, and he can have a good crack at it. Talking about the, you know, the exciting pups, you've got Droopy's Fidget, you've got Droopy's Google, along with, I know, countless others. But you were talking with the Nathan Hunt Racing Club that you usually source the dogs. But when it comes to your other owners, do you get the owners involved? Do they like to pick their own dogs? How does it work? Do you have a, a nice mix of people? A lot of people do try and do ask to try and source a dog. One, it is quite a difficult task. Um you don't like to get too involved just in case things don't work out, then, you know, the the blame tends to be put on you. But, yeah, I, I tend to let owners, you know, do their own thing, you know, I, and I, I'll give my opinion if they do find a dog, you know, I'll say if I do like the look of it or if I don't like the look of it. Um, But, yeah, I like to let owners, you know, you know, a lot of owners source their own dogs anyway. With the syndicate, like Droopy's Google, he came over through Michael Dunphy. Um, we've struck up a bit of a relationship. Really, we've had a couple through him for the syndicate, like Troopies by a mile as well. So Michael sends me, has sent me quite a few dogs now, and we've got a good relationship. But not just for the syndicate, for owners in the kennel as well. Um, I'll get a dog over and I'll give it a couple of trials, and we'll see what we think of it, and then value it after that. And um, yeah, we've bought a few dogs for, for the kennel for other owners as well through that. So, yeah, really, you know, it's great, great for me that, we, you know, we've managed to get a good relationship through, you know, such a massive breeder, you know, the big, biggest breeder in um, in the island and, and the UK, really. So, yeah, they've obviously bred some fantastic dogs previously, and we've we've managed to get a couple of really nice types off them, um, some exciting young dogs in the kennel. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to, and many thanks to Michael, really, and the team there you know, for having the confidence and the faith in me to send the dogs over. And um, yeah, so far things have worked out well. 
And with that, are there any new arrivals that you can tell our listeners about to add to their notebooks for the coming year? I've got a nice, um, nice droopy's dog there. He um, he made his debut a couple of weeks ago in an A2, and he won well. Um, and then he followed that up with an A1 win last week. Uh, droopy's loot, and he's an August twenty-one out of Malachy, and uh, he'll be aimed for the Kinsley Gym Crack, which. Um, a competition I've always been a big fan of and uh, very pleased to see that back on the calendar. And um, obviously, big thank you to uh, Bresbet for sponsoring that this year. And um, it's great to have so many puppy competitions on. As you spoke about Drupi's Fidget, she's currently at Sheffield. Um, it's great to have all these puppy competitions coming. Um, I think we've got a category one puppy competition every month, bar the Derby month this year now so that's credit to um the open race committee really for getting that getting that sorted if you've got a owner looking for a dog then you can say look there's the there's the calendar we've got so many puppy competitions you've got you know plenty of options so it entices people to buy a dog then a young dog so you've got many options before you know it reaches two years of age so uh yeah we've when we're in a nice position we've got a few nice young dogs so i think droopy's loop will be a nice dog for the future and uh yeah next Next aim for him will be the Kinsley Gym Crack. So look out for Droopy's Loot in the Gym Crack coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Now, we're going to switch tacks and talk about the breeding side of things. Is that something you're really involved in? Do you enjoy um, looking at the breeding lines and figuring out who might produce a really good pup? Yeah, um, yeah. obviously since uh, Henry, and obviously I, I was probably... Uh, I spoke with Henry because he was my first ever pup from three months of age, and he goes on to win a category one. Um, he made a few more category one finals. I was spoiled with him, really. I probably thought, God, this is easy. I'll just go out and buy a pup every time, get reared by someone decent, and it'll turn out. But, you know, it's obviously a very hard game. Like we had Phil Adwahida won the Oaks, and um, her first letter went to Luggill Blake, obviously, Irish Derby winner, probably one of the best Derby winners, right? I've seen anyway, and the first litter was just no good at all, really. Uh, so it just shows, really, you can have the best dog, the best bitch, and if things don't match up, then, you know, it's not always the case. I mean, if it was that easy, everybody, everybody would be doing it. So, yeah, I'm, I am in, uh, interested in it. I always interested in it, especially, you know, as just going back to people buying dogs, I'm always keen to look at the breed inside of things as well there. But, yeah, as I say, we like to have a litter... Uh, trying to have one later a year, and um, Phil's always always done it really. I mean, um, as a lot of people know that um, he managed, you know, Salad Dodger was born at the kennels and reared there. So, yeah, he's always done a fantastic job rearing him, and he still does. I'm lucky that I've got him there to to rear the pups. Um, you know, he's as in, involved in the racing side of things, but he's very keen to keep keep rearing the pups uh, he gets a lot of pleasure out of that and um, we're lucky with the facilities we've got we can give them plenty of freedom so yeah something I always liked and especially with a lot of options now with the British bread competitions gives you plenty of options of um, picking up a nice little prize even with dogs that are probably not quite top class like as I say we won the maiden British bred combat Romford with Go Pack Go. She's a you know a lovely little bitch, but she probably wasn't top class, but she managed to win um a four thousand pound final. So it's great for owners as well, you know, real thrill to see a pup grow up, you know, see it every week from birth almost and follow its career and then, you know, to win a nice little prize, I guess, fantastic. So 
yeah, something I'm keen to to continue, and uh, one of the reasons why we did went dual attached really to give a, a lot of our homebred pups more options. Hiya, I'm Jade from Adachi Retired Greyhounds. We recently set up the Adachi Retired Greyhounds to coincide with our racing kennel. We are able to rehome greyhounds here directly from ourselves. That way we are able to have a little bit more of an easier understanding of the greyhounds. We are able to cat test the greyhounds as we have an on-living cat here who's brilliant with the dogs and that's really enabled us to be able to get um, cat-friendly greyhounds out to homes quicker. We also have two small children that um, are always, you know, in and out of the kennels, which means the greyhounds here at our kennels are always children friendly. And obviously those that aren't, we're able to quickly identify early on. If you want to know more about us, you can find us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Tadachi Retired Greyhounds. Alternatively, you can contact me on 077-88-439-776 or email us at adachikennels at outlook.com. Many thanks. Now let's talk about the Trainers' Championship because, of course, you finished an excellent 10th last year. Is this something that you actually think about and target and just generally talking about targets? What are they for 2023? Yeah, it is something I look at. Um, I always always check to see where we are every couple of weeks. Um, and last year I did set out a target uh, to try and get 100 open race winners, which we managed to achieve um, this year probably we try and want to win a competition really we managed to win a category two in january uh but yeah it would be lovely to win a category one um and then i think if we could just get one then you know try and get a you know a couple of years and try and push to try and get a top six finish but there's obviously some fantastic trainers above me at the moment so you know it's very difficult to break through um, but yeah we'll, we'll give her a best shot and um as i say we've got a nice team of young dogs uh, that we're quite excited about so yeah, hopefully we can manage to win one this year anyway. We've got a good chance in the Steel City Poppy Derby and um, some nice dogs to go to war with from Nick Geel now. So I'd say that those targets are a little bit easier to, to hit now, maybe. Uh, yeah, they will do. Of course, you need a bit of luck on your side. Obviously, Fidget, um, she's gone well. Um, she's only in August, so we've got a bright future with her as well as a couple of, of the other younger dogs, yeah. And obviously the existing dogs that we've taken in. So yeah, you know we've got um a nice team coming along, and uh, yeah, plenty to go to war with anyway. Now you're talking earlier on, uh, Nathan, about the fact that you do feed them breakfast and some trainers don't. Is there anything that you specifically do, um, you know, in training certain dogs for open competitions, or do you do different things with your graders, or does everybody just get the same kind of treatment and you see what happens? 
Uh, yeah, pretty much the, the diet is the same. Um, we feed breakfast, uh, cereal and milk for breakfast. Some dogs will have the supplement in the morning, you know, a bit of honey and stuff like that. A bit of, I'd feed salmon, so a little bit of salmon. Maybe fussy eaters might prefer a bit of meat in with the breakfast as well. Uh, but yeah, the main dinner then is biscuit, meat, uh, meat and salmon. And yeah, every every dog has that. Um, I feed cooked beef, raw beef. Um, dogs have different preferences to what they want on the menu. Um, some dogs will only eat cooked beef. I've had a dog only eat fish. Doesn't like meat. So yeah, they're all different, but predominantly much. You know, they pretty much eat the same. Doesn't matter what grade they are, they still get fed the same. I do. Ch- I charge the same. To, to to train a, a grader as well as a an open runner so yeah they, they all get fed the same um whereas you some some competition dogs will have different supplements um just to help them recover during competitions and, th- and stuff like that uh help them bounce back over race you know some dogs competition dogs you know they tend to put it all in uh the faster dogs so you know just about recovery really and trying to get them br- to bring them back to you know their best for the for the following week um, but other than that, then the diets are pretty much the same. And would the training regime be the same for a grader as it is for a competition dog, or do you mix things up there? No, with a grader, they they pretty much race every week. So I think if a dog is fit and well, if the dog is you know race fit, then they're racing every week. That that should be enough for them. We our kennels, they have we have quite large grass paddocks, so they go out there, they do their own thing anyway. So that, you know most of them. You get some of the fence run quite a lot, which, you know, isn't ideal, but they keep themselves fit anyway. Um, you know, they're running up and down the paddock alongside the other dogs. Um, but then with an open race runner, they might not they might not be running every week. You might be preparing them, you know, with trials and stuff like that, where they might go a week without a run. Uh we've got a gallop, yeah, uh a three hundred yard gallop. So they will they maybe gallop more than like a grader. But I think if a dog is running every week, then we don't really try. We don't really gallop a dog too much. If a dog is in a competition, then I wouldn't, unless I felt like it needed a change or something like that. Um, but you know, if a dog is running well, then we try and keep the routine the same. Um, so yeah, the graders tend to, you know, they go out in the paddock, but they probably won't be galloped too much. You know, because I think racing every week is enough for them. Um, but yeah, I say we've got large grass paddocks, so you know they probably have do just as much as a gallop in them anyway. I was wondering if you did anything different that you know other people don't do. Um, I don't know. I don't tend to know what, what other people do. I do know some. Some don't like feeding breakfast. Some do. There are still some do. Um, so yeah, uh, just something we always prefer. I just think the dogs are happier with it. With having the two meals a day, you know, after they've had their breakfast, they're a bit quiet there anyway. Um, <laughs> they're not climbing the walls to get fed, so yeah, just um, it keeps them quiet. Obviously, if dogs, we have dogs running in the afternoon, then at least they've had something in first thing in the morning. So that I just think, you know, for my own peace of mind, and I prefer doing it anyway. Now, forget greyhounds, forget racing. Forget all of that. And we asked Kevin Hutt on this one too, but the job, you know, being a ground trainer is very time consuming. It's all encompassing. So what do you do to relax and switch off? And do you give yourself much time off at all? Um, I come on podcasts. Um, <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it is difficult to switch off. I mean, 
obviously, as I spoke about, we've got a lot of owners at the kennel, so you know you'll always get owners asking you things. Um, so even if you you're getting time off, you might have an afternoon off. You'll always get phone calls and stuff like that. Um, so it is it's an intense job. It is good to you know take a break sometimes. It is difficult. Um, without busy schedule and stuff like that, and I'm probably my own worst enemy that I don't like do, taking time away. Last year I started playing a bit of golf, which did help a bit. You know, in the summer that was nice. Uh, so yeah, this year I'll probably try and find time to do that. I probably going down the pub. That's my that's my the place where I switch off on a probably a Tuesday or Wednesday. I go watch the football. Um, I do follow Swansea. Pretty much, you know, I go try and go to a, a few away games now. You know, if there's any, if they played in London in the midweek, I'll try and go to that. Um, but yeah, you know, I do follow a lot of sports. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very difficult to completely, you know, shut it off. Impossible, really. But um, it's something we love doing. And um, if I didn't love it, then I wouldn't do it. You know, I'd probably find it easier to just, you know, go off and, and do other things. But, you know, because I love it. And I mean, if I, don't do it now, then um, I'll never do it. So that's why I'm very keen to just do a lot of open races, put myself out there, really, um, put the put the work in now, really, because otherwise, if it's too late, then I'm not going to get it back. Did you ever get away on holiday at all? I went away. Um, I went away at the beginning of last year. I went to Mexico, but since then, not really. To be fair, the only time I get off and I try and go back to Wales to see my family, I probably don't go back as much as I should. But yeah, anytime I do get off, I tend to go back to Wales. It's not much, not much sun there, but it's a break anyway. And you know, when you come home from the kennels and you shut your front door, do you have any four-legged creatures in your house on your sofa or anything else that entertain you in the evenings? I've got two retired greyhounds. Obviously, I got beagles. Yeah, I mean they're pretty laid back. They're no trouble at all. They so obviously. I go to work with Grants, come on to Greyhounds. Um, but yeah, obviously, Henry done a lot for us and um, got his sister bang on Pippa. We had a nice litter of pups out of, and I've just bred from one of her daughters. So yeah, uh, they've done a lot for us. So, you know, at least I could do is give them a nice soul for, for their retirement. So yeah, I mean, it's, um you know, I, I couldn't imagine life without a dog, really. Um, it'd be pretty strange, really. So yeah. Even when they when their time comes, they'll probably always have a retired ground, really. Yeah, dog makes a, a house a home, doesn't it, I think? Definitely. Uh, right, Joe, have we got some questions from the socials? We have got a couple of questions, yeah. One from friend of the podcast, Dave Titterton. He says to Nathan, he sort of touched upon this already the first part, but um, we appreciate all dogs are different on their needs and how to train and to get the best out of them. But what's your weekly guide to training a grader? Um, keep the routine very much the same. Dogs really thrive on routine. Um, they know exactly what time they let out. They know exactly what time they're ready to be fed. So keep the routine as 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 same. I think just get the basics right. Really, as long as you keep them happy, keep them well fed, uh, keep the kennel clean, keep them in the warm, keep them dry, and you know, just I'm a big believer in watching the races as well very lucky really now obviously with technology i can watch a race live i can watch a replay pretty much instantly so i pretty i try try and watch every dog race you know probably have between 30 and 40 runners a week so i try and watch every dog race and i know they the way they run i know they their strong points and i know if a dog isn't right i mean if i just look at a result then it doesn't tell the full story so i'm very keen to make sure i watch the replays 
just so I've got an opinion on the race to give my opinion to an owner. But, you know, I might not pick up on things. I might, you know, a dog might finish third or fourth. You think it's run okay. But then if you watch the actual race and you could notice something, you know, it, it could be kicking a hind leg or coming home or something. So you think, well, that dog might be feeling something. So you want to get that checked over before it runs next. So I think that's an important thing with graded dogs, making sure you just keep on top of any little niggles just so you can keep them sound really and keep on top of things. Um, yeah, so I think it's very important to just uh, watch your dogs and know your dogs, um, not just graders, but any any race really. But um, you know, obviously the graders running weekly, that's your bread and butter, so you want to keep them sound. If they're on the bed lane, then you know, you, you're you going to be losing money. And you know, if you've got a dog off lane all the time, you won't have many owners. So it's very, I'm very keen to just make sure we're watching the dogs run and picking up on any things. Very lucky I've got... Um, Ron Mills, the physios, was at the kennels twice a week. So if I've got any dogs I'm concerned about, then he'll go over them as well. Um, so that's important as well, especially for graded dogs. And he, and he also asked, do you swim your dogs at all? No, I don't. Um, I did in the summer. We had a swimming pool up, but that was mainly just to give them a cool down, really, because we had such hot weather. Um, but no, I'm just a big believer in just letting them do their own thing, free galloping, and just make sure when they come out of the race, uh, they recovered and you got and you know know what what dogs like really you know some dogs they, they might not want to be running every week they might want a little break in between um or some dogs you know they might need a quick run um some dogs you, you know that need a quick run then you know they might you might give them a gallop in between runs um so yeah it's all all different you know it's about getting the best of, and every dog is different so some dogs might be more hyper worked up, so they might need that run just in between, just to take the edge off them in between runs, so they're not getting themselves worked up. Where some dogs so laid back, so calm, they just happy, you know, just you know, save, saving their energy, so just put it in that once a week. So it is all different. It's all about working out what dog what needs uh, every dog uh, wants. Great, and then Paul Paul Wing sent one in on Twitter as well. He said, uh, "Can you ask Nathan what does the future hold for ground racing? As this model is unsustainable long term." Um, yeah, there is there is a lot of racing. There's a lot of graded racing. Obviously, the times we're racing are not ideal during the day all the time. Um, there's a lot of tracks that are getting it better, getting it right more than others. Like I was, I've been at Sheffield on the Saturdays and they're doing well, 15, 16 race cards now from like 6.30 to 10.30 because they attract such a big crowd on a Saturday because they promote it. It's not it's not a meeting that's on TV or anything, so they rely on the footfall. So there's a lot of tracks doing doing well. It's important that we do have a Saturday night racing and it's great that great now they've started to put these competitions on a Saturday night so you know the spectators can see the best dogs and see the competitions. It might not mean nothing anything to some people but you know new people might pick up on that you know and start following following these competitions and it's always better i mean you go to a category one and it might have been like previously on a tuesday night and there's no one there and it's dead atmosphere it just doesn't really give you much of a buzz whereas at least if you go on a saturday night there's atmosphere um at some of these tracks and you know that's definitely one of the reasons why you want to train really just for you know to go out and you know you're proud of what you do and you know proud of your dog you want to see it running you want to see it running you know in front of more people the better um so there's good things happening obviously i spoke about the calendar i think this year is much better than previous years it was set out it was well thought of and planned in advance so we knew what was happening with the majority of the competitions 
Um, and you know the prize money for the open competition is is starting to go up a little bit. Um, obviously the premier races, you know the twenty thousand pound ones, you know have been fantastic. We just need some some of the other competitions to follow suit, really. But yeah, there is there is too much graded racing, and obviously we've got a problem uh, with the reoming. There's a lot of dogs retired that you know um, not getting reomed as quick as as you'd like, really. Um, so that is an, that is a problem for the future. It's current problem now, but it's got, it'll only get worse with obviously more racing. But um, I think if they cut down the racing so much in the week, intended you know you could lose meetings in the week, uh, races in the week, but then if you, you know, extend it on a Saturday night to say like a 16 race card like Sheffield doing, then I think that's that's where you should be aiming for really, trying to attract those crowds and keep them keep them there most of the night really. I like Saturdays at Sheffield because I it's my, now my local track from Manchester, unbelievably. And they're always really good. There's always loads of people. So yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy Sheffield. Um, I always think even with the graded stuff, they do it at Hove, but because you, you get because you get people through the door, sponsors are interested in sponsoring races, including graded races. And then with that, you often have a trophy as well. But I also think it's not only good for the owners to get a trophy for a graded race, but it, it give, builds up the crowd. It gives them something to look at. They see the dog and the owners getting rewarded. It might make them think, oh, that looks great. I want to be an owner. You know, how do I get involved? How do I get a trophy? Do you know what I mean? I think think all that sort of stuff really, really does help. Yeah, definitely. And I've got one from Martin, who's at Covega on uh, social media, says, did Nathan ever sing along to Far East Movement and Cataracts <laughs> like a G6, but instead of G6, replaced it with A6? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's actually a good song, that is. Uh, uh, Reminded me of being back in school that that came out. I think I was as well. Like a G six, like a G. Yeah, um, I'm not going. Sadly, to sadly, 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 not many. My dogs start there. They probably should start there, but they end up starting a three, a four. So <laughs> <laughs> they're wise to you now, are they? Joe, have you got any more questions? No, no, that's it from me. Yeah, that's it from Joe. That's it from me. That's it from us. Nathan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So thank you for all your insights and. Uh, Droopy's loot is the one that we've got to keep an eye on, certainly when uh, it goes into the gym, gym crack at Kinsley as well. So good luck for 2023. Can't wait to see what the kennel does. Yeah, yes. lovely. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Pleasure being on. And um, yeah, again, hopefully we have a nice, nice year and a uh, lot to look forward to. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers. That that dog will be five to one now, unfortunately. Andy post for the gym <laughs> crap though on it. You've ruined it. we have just heard from Nathan Hunt and of course he does have an exciting runner in the Hunt Cup as well he's in heat three it's trap one Bombardier can't wait to see him run again but we are going to dive into uh, the betting for the weekend we've got loads of cat ones coming up and I'm delighted to say that Lofty's joined us once again on the podcast so Lofty how are you doing? Yeah not so bad Danny not so bad um, yeah been a fair old fairly quiet week but obviously Easter looking forward to and we're up at the Grand National next weekend and full weekend of ground racing so yeah plenty to look forward to certainly is now we'll dive into the hunt cup 
at Oxford on Friday night. And in the first heat, we've got trap one, run around Pebs, <clears throat> trap two, Sweet Talker, three, Croker's Brandy, four, Low Pressure, five, Amaze Me, Seb, and trap six is Havana Lover. How did you see this one playing out? Uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, look, Havana Lover, everyone thought she'd be anti-post favourite for this, and she's been assert by Joe's dog after the uh, the track record run from, from her a couple of weeks before. But she was a bit disappointed to me last week. She's not really been coming away in, in her best fashion, and she had every chance, to be fair, to get to untold rupee last week, who actually ran well, and uh, Carol Weatherall and, um, and Darren Holmes's dog. But um, yeah, she's not really been not really been firing for me around there. Obviously, she's a you know a fast bitch, and you know what she's capable of. Maybe a track suits her a little bit further. You know, she wants a little bit further. She won Ledger last year over Perry Bar. Oh, big fan of Croker's Brandy in this. Um, I thought he just needed a run last week, and he did a very flashy trial, a twenty-seven thirteen solo. You know, he's a strong running sort, and I thought would be a, actually it was my little anti-post fancy this competition right at the start, and I think he can improve plenty, plenty for that run last week behind a banner top note. That was a fair race. You know, the conditions last week they were absolutely abysmal at Oxford. It rained non-stop all night, and it was really, really tough. And you know, so non-stop the rain in their faces non-stop the dog. So. Having a first run round there, I just certainly improved a bit for that. Low pressure, who they showed plenty of form round Monmore and looked at, it's a fair sort in there. Disappointed with him last week. I thought we had every chance where he was. I know he hadn't had a trial and hadn't had a look at the track before, but um, you know, he seemed to run it perfectly okay. And from where he was, disappointed actually finished third in the end behind uh, behind Sweet Talk. He was in second off the last bend and he can improve for that run, uh, certainly. But yeah, I'm gonna be with Croker's brandy in the first heat. Um, but this is yeah, quite quite a decent little heat. This I think ran a lover. Worth taking on maybe at a shortish price. Yeah, she will be short on the day, but Croker's Brandy could offer a bit of value. Joe? Yeah, sort of agree, really. I mean, again, you talk about the heat, heat of doom we have before, and this is it in the Hunt Cup, uh, heat one. Very tricky. So Havana Lover just hasn't been getting away. And if she doesn't, she's going to struggle mm. against these dogs. We know Amaze Me Seb will be running on late, as he always does, you know. I think if Croker's Brandy can beat Sweet Talker to the bend, and even if he's just in a handy position, I think Croker's Brandy will take this. Sweet Talker did get loose uh, last week and, and and just held on to nighttime, Danny. So you've got to respect him if, if he can get a lead. But I'd say Croker's Brandy here, but very, very tough heat and interesting to watch for sure. Certainly is. I mean, I've going heart overhead because I love low pressure and uh, I know one of the uh, people that owns it as well and he always talks very highly of the dog so I know he was only uh, beaten a couple of lengths by a sweet talker last time out but I-, I think he's a really good stayer so I'd be with low pressure might offer a bit of value might be one for your forecast and tricast maybe now moving on to heat two of the bet three six five hunt cup and we've got trap one Havana top note two mini bullet three arch tub Jim Woods four Muxton Lottie five Mustang Diva and six my Jersey boy Lofty who are you fancying? Uh, I think without doubt this would probably be classed as the weakest heat of the of the four. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to see beyond Havana top note here probably in trap one. You know if you'd have all the answers you'd have thought we just uh, mentioned the run against them. Croker's brandy showed a nice bit of early foot in that race as well. After missing the break, he looks you know a decent sort. Maybe track one might not be quite what he wants, and you know he might be better dog drawn out in the middle. But uh, really, on the run last week, his head and shoulders above these, so he missed the break. He's had a real nice turn of early foot to get to the corner in front uh, from track three. Kept up the gallop well against Croker's brandy in in a race that to me won't take an awful lot of winning. I think, you know, he looks uh, say a good thing here, but, you know, as good as a good thing could be. I thought Monkston Lottie ran well last week from from a long way back. Um, she's certainly a little bit quirky. She's got some form around her. 
Oxford back in the uh, other six band comp that was sponsored there. The Cat 1640, she ran okay in that. Obviously, that awkward mark on the car that Romford puts a little bit of a question mark over her. There's a few dogs in this that have just sort of scraped in really by default in the fact of like my Jersey boy and Mustang Diva. Um, the three actually, the, the three actually ran a right at the big price last week, too. Arch Top Jim would surprise that. See, maybe sneak in a place and perhaps get the qualifying spot. Minnie's Bullet, every chance again, you know, for her last week as well. So, yeah, I, uh, I think she'll be quite a short price, or he'll be quite a short price around a top note, but quite a few of the litter also ran actually at Oxford. So, um, quite a nice litter. A couple of nice dogs ran at Oxford as well from, from this same litter. And, It'd be a pretty confident selection currently in the ways running. You can't beat a dog in form and Havana top note, certainly that. Certainly is Havana top note then. That is the wonderful heat too for Lofty. What about you, Joe? Boring, I'm afraid. Yeah, Havana, Havana <laughs> top note is very hard to look past in this. The only slight concern, if Mini Bullet can get a good break and, and get out in front, uh, you know, and, and maybe cut off Havana top note, if, if he doesn't get a good break, the, you know, Mini Bullet is capable of making all very good greyhound. But um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the one here, um, Havana top note. And I thought my Jersey boy could be the one that could sneak into the places because he's just got the draw out wide and he's got a decent enough time if you go back far enough uh, to the 3rd of March with a 40-19 on the card. So that's the same as what Havana Top Note's done. So if he can repeat that, he could certainly sneak into the qualifying position. Now, Heat 3 sees Trap 1, Bombardier for Nathan Hunt that we've had on the show, of course. Two, Nighttime Danny. Three, Slainyside Amber. Four, King Ezra. Five, Keep Hill Vic. And Trap 6, Barley Lockett. I'd be all over Bombardier. I've loved this dog since I pretty much saw him uh, as a puppy. And, yeah, it's one of those cliff dogs for me. I'll back him at any turn. <laughs> Whatever he's in, I love him. So, Lofty, are you in agreement or are you going elsewhere? He's one of them dogs, actually, Bob, but they're like you. I, I remember when he was running, when he first came over here from um, running in the Kirby. And, uh, yeah, he was, a, I think, a fairly big money purchase to, to go to Mark Wallace, first of all. And, yeah, I always, he's one of these dogs I always kept an eye on and thought it'd be a cracker dog when he went up the six bends. He's just been a little bit off the ball, I thought, lately. But he actually ran a lot, lot better last week. Um, he never quite got the grips with King Ezra. And even all the way to the drop, he never quite got the grips with him. But he's got a nice makeup here. Um, he should be leading nighttime, Danny. Now, look, nighttime, Danny... A dog who had the pace to win the over 575, you know, cat runs around Romford. You thought last week, maybe that marathon's taken the edge off him a little bit because from where he was last week, I thought he was going to win. He just didn't quite get there. We well laid him last week. I remember he was a, a big loser in the book and we were actually quite glad to see him get beat. He's a real popular dog nighttime, Danny. And, you know, he's getting on a bit now. He's way, way into the veteran stage now, sort of nudging on four and a half. And, you know, for a fact, he'll be sort of staying on doing the best. But yeah, this is a good race, this. Barbie Lockett out in trap six. You know, she keeps the wide, the wide course or the way out of unlock, unlock the um, the good style at Brendan Matthews has. I'm not entirely convinced she stays, to be honest, but she's so wide on the straights. Um, you know, she gives away lengths. Uh, she should have won, really, the maiden there against the My Girl Bella. And she ran well last week. Look, she'll have an absolute solo on the outside. Thought an overpriced dog is Keeper Hill Vic. Been in absolutely cracking form in Oxford prior to that. He's, you know, he's got a touch of class about him as well. Disappointed with him last week, but I think he might get off the front here. And he could be a different dog off the front and if you know if he, if he traps out there he, you know he could be a bit of value i thought in this race keeper hill Vic. king ezra who beat bombardier last week you know they meet again can you see bombardier reversing the places you know it's, there wouldn't be a lot between them that three quarters length last week is probably exactly what they were but now with a bit of value here i thought keeper hill Vic from trap five he could be a fair price and there's a chance he could front off here and if he does front off here i think he might be a different dog to what you saw what you saw the week before just for a smidgen of value Smidge of value for Keeper Hill, Vic then in uh, Heat 3. 
Joe? Probably just going to side with Bombardier here um, with you, Danny, to be honest. Ran a nice race behind King Ezra last time. It was a funny race, though, wasn't it, with 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 King Ezra and and Bombardier and and Barley Lockett? You know, the the lead changed hands. Bombardier stayed on nicely to get second. I think I think get out not uh, well here. I just think it'll be hard to pin back, and he'll be staying on well. You know, Barley Lockett. I agree with Lofty. Does does she stay? I don't. I'm not sure. She's she's still inexperienced as well, and I think that greenness will. Um, We'll just count against her here, but I'm going to go with trap one, but it's a pretty tricky and trappy race. Certainly is. So two votes for Bombardier, one for Keeper Hill Vic in heat three of the Bet365 Hunt Cup. On to heat four we go, and trap one is Romeo Blade. Two, What a Swell Party. Three, Untold Rupee. Four, Lively Lauren. Five, Springside Annie. And six, Mina, Moina, Mona. Well, I'm actually going to come to you here, Joe, because Lively Lauren, of course, is your dog. Is she going to win this heat? <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully, she's going to win the Hunt Cup. Full stop. Um, <laughs> look, she she she's really coming to her own over the the six fifty here. She's had three runs. She won a maiden on on minus sixty going, which was hard work. But she did a calculated forty zero five. <laughs> Even last week, she was slowly away. Um, she she had to check up on the home straight and only got beat a length and still did 40.06 calculated. She obviously broke the track record in between. Then when she did get away and get, get a, got a clear run, um, and that and that time, you know, against a lot of these is is you know quite a lot better than than what these have done so far. So the only thing is, trap faller. She's a, she's a, she's a railer. Um, I'm hoping over 6.50, if she can just get out level or near enough, she should have the early pace in this race to, to make it to the bend in front as long as she's not, you know, really sloppy away. So I think she's got a great chance. I don't like four. And I, again, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I've been cursing her competition draws lately because she's been as far out as you can in um, for a railer in three of her last four competition draws. So I'll take third now. I'll bite your hand off to, to be in the next round. But I think she, I think she'll take all the beating. Trap six, uh, Mina Moina Mona ran a cracker last week. Really nice run uh, from her t- to win, and, and a nice time. So she's a definite danger. And if there is any trouble on the inside, you know Mina Moina Mona could could pick up the pieces. Untold Rupee, you know, let's not underestimate that greyhound either, because one fair and square got got loose on the front um, and made all. So um, you know, uh, Untold Rupee is is a danger as well, and an inside Agil. But fingers crossed for a top three finish and, and into the semi finals. Fingers crossed for Lively Lauren for Joe. Wish you the best of luck, Joe. Lofty, who do you like? Yeah, the say, as Joe said, really, he's, you know, some some the race up perfectly. A lot of traffic on the inside where everybody wants to go towards the rails, as you say. Look, when she was running over over the 450, Lively Lauren, we always said she was an absolute bang rider. When she got two or three a couple of times, and actually she went sort of fairly straight. So she's not, I don't think, quite the, the complete bang rider that we sort of think she is. Um, Untold Rupee certainly began towards the fence. What a swell party. I mean, she literally, you've got, to, you've got to scrape the paint off her on the inside. She is the tightest of tight railers. Uh, I actually was guilty of backing her at um, the race on the bottom of the, the, the car there against 59 when she got knocked over. She went off after one. I managed to back her at 20s in the morning and she'd be running like an absolute drain, to be fair. I just thought she had trap one there. She's had trap one in her last two starts and run fractionally better, but there wasn't a lot happening particularly fast last week. Look, Joe said, right, they sometimes say draws win races and Mina Minor Mona's got an absolute plot draw here out in trap six. If she can trap out like she did last week and they do all sort of pile up on the inside. She's got plenty of dogs looking for the, you know, the inside line. What a swell party. She's probably the strongest of the ones coming home. Uh, they ran untold rupee in the marathon. 
she blatantly failed to stay the trip. What a swell party ran in the other, um, the, the sovereign marathon they had before there. I think that took the edge off her a little bit as well. She was running really well prior to that. And I just think running her over that eight bends is so slightly took the edge off her. But with her slightly running better last week, look, as Joe said, he'd like to see his dog finish third, Larvy Lauren, third would be perfect for her. I like to think six has got the best draw of all time here if they all pile up on the inside or there's a bit of trouble on the inside and traffic. So I'm going to take six on, maybe two to pick up the place in second and then lively Lauren to get through for third for Joe and then hopefully get trapped one in the semi-final and final for him. <laughs> Fingers crossed for mm. lively Lauren in the final heats of the Bet365 Hunt Cup. I like um, Mina Moina Mona purely because of the draw. I think Untold Rupee is... I don't know. I've I've seen her a couple of times, and I really like her. So she'd have to be in my tricast, and then obviously I have to go uh, with my boy and with lively Lauren as well to <laughs> you complete the three. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, she does make it through and doesn't get uh, too much trouble around the bends. Anyone back to anything anti-post? Uh, I actually thought your bitch was overpriced anti-post, and I got the prices. I saw she was like six to one, I think, but I've not had a bet now. Um, I must admit, I might watch the, the heats tomorrow night and, and see again. Um, possibly Croker. I thought the Croker's dog might be a little bit overpriced as well anti-post, but I've not had a bet yet, and I probably won't. No, I've not had a bet yet. Joe, have you backed Lauren? Obviously, yeah. I've got yeah. some sevens. Um with Craven Sports, I've not had an account with them yet, so I'll give them a shout out. They were sevens on her, so and, and laid a laid a fair bet. So um, back to back to each way at seven. I just she's hard to keep out of the frame as well. I think mm. you know for, for competition, she's a really nice competition dog, but um, we'll see. As I said, you know as long as she gets some good draws, fingers crossed. But I thought sevens was was more than fair. As I said, a, a run two runs ago is it's not even just slightly better than all of these. It's more, you know it's tenths of seconds better so and i think she's still improving but i would say that because i'm biased and she's my she's mine and andrew's girl well wish you the best of luck in the hunk up with lively lauren we'll be cheering her on in the fourth heat to, on friday night so we jump to saturday at lunchtime and craford i just love these saturdays at craford they're absolutely fabulous we've got the labrox champion hurdle two semi-finals and the first of them Lines up like this. One, Mustn't Touch It. Two, Southern Seattle. Three, Longvale Prince. Four, Northman Nuke. Five, Ritzy Spirit. And six, Borna Rhythm. I definitely had it between the outside duo, Ritzy Spirit and Borna Rhythm. And if you had to push me, I'd probably go Ritzy Spirit because I think he might just get the edge on Borna Rhythm around the first turn. So five and six for me, reverse forecast them up if you want to. But those are the two that I'd be certainly siding with uh, on Saturday lunchtime. Lofty? Yeah, well, hurdlers, you know, you never know what you get with them, do you? And it's the usual Ricky Holloway, as usual. Um, I, know, I always have a bit of a joke about Ricky Holloway hurdlers getting beat at very short prices. Uh, Mitzi Spirit was five on, obviously got knocked over at the corner in, uh, in an H1 the other morning, but then made no mistake in uh, in winning his heat in you know, a very quick time for a hurdler. And they're 23.56. Yeah, look, I mean, in theory, he's got the early pace. He should go around in front here, if possibility. I mean, he might just get held up by... Uh, the other boys, uh, but Northman Duke's got a bit of early inside him, but there should be no excuses here, really. And, and Borna River, who's an experienced timber topper now. So they got there, uh, I think it was in the Springbok last year at Central Park. But the hurdlers now seem to be very much sort of kept between Central Park and Crayford, I think. You know, um, I think Hove have one hurdle race a year, or maybe two hurdle races a year there. But the hurdles, the hurdles seem certainly not what it was, which is a shame to a lot of people who used to like the hurdlers, but you know, the hurdles have certainly gone a little bit off the ball. and all Ricky Holloway's work, you know, it's Ricky Holloway really who keeps him going with Barry O'Sullivan and I think if it wasn't for Crayford, I think Hurdle Racing would probably just uh, 
die a very slow death. But yeah, Richie's spirit for me from Born to Ribbon 5 and 6 in what looks not the most competitive of heats, I must admit. Completely in agreement. Joe, are you with us? I'm, I'm going to sit this one out, Danny. I haven't looked at the champion hurdle, I'm afraid. When it comes to hurdlers, look, I know you're a big fan, as you always say, and I do like watching them as a spectacle, but when it and it comes to uh, using my time wisely, uh, uh, when it comes to punting, it's not something I've looked at. All I know is Ricky Holloway hurdles. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to bow to yours and Lofty's superior knowledge and just sit back and have a cup of tea here. Okie doke. I will let you off just about. Just about. Now, the second semi-final sees Trout 1, Benny's champ 2, Lenson Doolin, my boy, love him, 3, Tully B, 4, Magical Oscar, 5, Bobby Navitar, and 6, Lenson on ice. So, you might have gathered, I'm all on board, Lenson Doolin. I've managed to get him beat, though, at short odds uh, when I've napped him on Racing Post TV. However, not going to back him, just going to say, really like the dog, think he's great, got a cracking time. We're in the heat at 23-44 last week. I'm just hoping that he can do the same again. Lofty? I think Ricky Holloway might try the winner here with five of the six runners, <laughs> mightn't he? Um, just looking at it. Yeah, look, again, I mean, um, Lenson Doolin was... He's a typical Holloway dog, you know. He had a touch of class on the flat. I used to do it all the time with, with dogs in the spring box. You know, he could always get... A, you'd get a sort of 28-30, 28-40 shell-ball dog from Delorme's roof or something and then put them against the dogs that are running A5 and being marked awkward. And it was it was a little bit embarrassing, really, some of the you know, the quality of dogs that he used to get. And, um, you know, you can certainly turn them out on the flat as well. Uh, he looks probably head and shoulders above these. Um, Lenson on ice again. Another dog would have a little little bit of good bit of flat form going back through his uh, through his card. You know, was was a perfectly good open race dog. Um, and actually, I've done things. Actually, got the uniqueness not actually having ever been marked awkward on his card. So, which is actually mm. quite good. But he was a real early, real early pace sprinting type Lenson on ice. So it was just taking a hurdle. Was back in the day, he used to often do this with dogs. You know, it's, it's always good to get a fast dog who was maybe not quite top class, and they would just give him a, a pop up of hurdles. Everyone sort of think now, like you know, hurdles just the domain of. Dogs have gone a bit sour and been marked awkward, had a fight or done something like that, which which often happens. But it's good to see with Lenson on ice, you know, he's actually not been marked awkward or had any sort of a mark or fight on his card or anything like that. So that's quite genuine to see a dog like that over hurdles. He's got a lot of early pace, Lenson on ice. He could be the danger here, certainly to Lenson Doolin. But again, the Holloway one too, and even my dog agrees with that forecast. He's barked away at it. There we go. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd be with you, to be fair. The two Lensons, uh, one and two, hopefully, for the second semi-final of the champion hurdle. Now, also on the card on Saturday, we have got the Labrooks TV trophy. Couple of heats there. The first lineup is Trap One, Oh Smasher, Two Speechless, Three Bubbly Crystal, Four Ragtime Sid, Five Jamie's Rocky, and Six Beach Babe. Joe, I'll come to you first. Who are you with? Thank you, Danny. Well, I've um, I've actually backed speechless each way when the prices came out um, on Wednesday night from from Lad Books and Coral. Thanks to friend of the show James for for getting up early again. Bought speechless at thirty three to one was a big price. I mean, look, he's he's quite young. He's just an, an April twenty one. Um, so he's still got some growing and maturing to do. But he he stays really nicely, and and his win over seven one four meters. You know, he he did see that out nicely. Ran to the pickup while ahead. And there's a few sort of questionable stayers in the in the competition. Um, I think Beach Babe will be staying on. Although this is a tricky, tricky heat, this first one. Our Smasher's a good dog. But I'm just gonna side with with Speechless um and, and hope that he sees the, the eight seven four out. Wow. 
speechless for Joe. I'd be with Oa Smasher, who has been behind Nighttime Danny on a couple of occasions around Oxford over there, 847. Obviously, this is a, a fair bit further, 874 um, for the Lambrooks TV trophy. But I do think he'll be fine with the trips. So, oh, she, sorry. And I do like a bitch over marathon trips. So Oa Smasher for me. Lofty? Yeah, as you say, a few better judges than me were certainly very keen on our smasher in the um in that star marathon final when she might be a little bit unlucky against nighttime danny you know it was a race that changed fortunes you could watch that race a hundred times that final and so much happened in that and i think the majority of dogs who, who ran that final have also come into this uh into this tv trophy so our smasher you know she proved herself she took to crayford very well last week with her first look round there and you know, I think the triple old no terrors for, and she certainly looks a, looks a big runner. Um, Beach Babe, disappointing. I thought in that final, I thought she'd get off the front. She got off the front against Droopy's Jungle when she uh, she beat that. When Droopy's Jungle was, was quite a short price in one of the trial stakes there. Obviously, Crayford's uh, track. Droopy's Jungle was beating her in the um, the eight four seven race on the Golden Jacket final day. A little bit off the ball, I thought, in a couple of races round uh, round Oxford. So she certainly ran fairly flat. I thought in the final there. Um, Got well beaten last week at the skinny price as well in, in the seven month four for this, admittedly found trouble. So look, I respect Joe's uh, one here with speech to say she's very unexposed over the trip. She's um out of Ben Bain, who's found some nice dogs. You've got to take her stamina on trust. Our smasher, I thought, yeah, she could be a little bitch in marathons uh, going places. And you say, I thought she'd be a lot better at Oxford than I thought she'd run, and she'd be a bet for me in this first heat. So between us, we're with one Oa Smasher and two Speechless. So what about the second heat? Well, we've got Trap One, Roland Sydney, two Savannah Spartacus, three Queen Pink, four Olga, five Luna Jezebel, and six A Mystical Love. This one I found just ridiculously difficult. So I'm going to give myself a pass for this one. And Joe, who are you with? <laughs> <laughs> a wallet pass. Well, yeah, this is this is a tricky one. I, I have it between the outside here. I think, you know, Mystical Love, obviously third in the in the galaxy. We'll we'll see the trip out. Um, so, you know, if she can get around in front or or near enough, got a great chance. Luna Jezebel, the local, you know, again, will, will does see the trip out well enough. Really nice run last time um, in in March. So I think it's sort of between them. But I mean, Olga, Queen Pink, will Queen Pink see it out? Not sure. Roll on Sydney. I think it'll be quite popular in the anti-post market. But I'm just sticking with with you know the Galaxy place to mystical love. Lofty. To be honest, if if the TV trophy was, uh, so I'm not not being rude to play for there, but a proper track over a proper eight bends like at a Hove or even a toaster, I think this bitch will be a certainty. Um, she just, the, the further she goes, the further she is, she wants to be sort of like, you know, to be the perfect dog, you want these sort of 1,045, the old sort of 10 bench trips, you yeah. walk and stone places like that. My only worry is she'll get dizzy, dizzy around Crayford and she'll be so far off the pace early doors here and she just might struggle to see, you know, to, to see dogs. But um, she's a real out and out, almost freak of an old-fashioned stayer, this one. And uh, so if she gets anywhere near the front, I thought she was 12 to 1. I saw anti-post. I thought it was, was, was huge each way value. I thought she could definitely get in the frame there. There's a few suspect stayers here, certainly. Um, Savannah Spartacus, uh, I did back in once over, once over 714 at uh, 7.12 at Toast. We just about got up. Roll on Sydney. You know, again, I think he'll stay with Trip all right. But no, I'm a big, big fan big fan of this dog in Trap 6. Uh, this bitch in Trap 6, I certainly think, as you say, she definitely win with Durando, I think, on Derby Farm on Night at Toast. That's a certainty. She doesn't win this. But um, the further she goes, the better for her, really. But you don't expect to see her early doors. 
So a mystical love to be scything through the pack late on the scene for Heat 2 of the Labrooks TV Trophy. And then Heat 3 sees Trap 1, Savannah Queen, 2, Anglesey Away, 3, Rocks Home Duchess, 4, Belmore Sally, 5, Homestead Anna, and 6, Droopy's Jungle. Love, love, love Belmore Sally. I've heard that if she stays sound, she is going to go for the Golden Jacket next year as well. So fingers crossed if she does stay sound, she could add a third one, which has never been done before. So Belmore Sally, she loves um, a bit of distance and I can't see past her. Lofty? You've got to see her stay and everything. That's the only thing. That's a big question mark about her. You know, she clearly loves Crayford. You know, she's won the last two golden jackets found there. There's that big, big question mark about her is the extra 160 metres, you know, going from 10 bends to eight bends. I mean, she, she's a class apart. As you well know with these, I mean, them. you can see her being sort of like, you know, 15. You've got dogs like Jupy's Jungle here. I can see Jupy's Jungle being like 25 lengths behind her early doors. I mean, literally, you know, she was very short in the bet in Jupy's Jungle. I know as well. I think she was like a six, seven, a one chance. So I looked at some of the anti-post betting. If you see her run at Oxford, you just couldn't back her at any sort of price, let alone that price. She won the race here, so on Golden Jacket Farm with daily 874, beating Luna Jezebel and, and Beach Babe. And that race, the form of that race actually seems okay. But look, this is probably... The weakest of the heat, certainly. Uh, it's just a case of whether Belmore Sally stays. That'll be the question mark. We'll soon know, I think, straight away after this. You know, it'll be a simple case of if she does, does stay or not. She's going to go a long, long way clear. It's looking at some of the, you know, the times and the sectional she does. I mean, she's got like a sub, she's got like a sub 23, I think, for the, um, you know, for the 714 for the split, 2307. You know, that's, that's, I know it's a bit weird with Crayford because you often get that. You get dogs in stay in 714 races at do times that would, would win the majority of opens around there. Like 2307 would be, you know, a flying run around there. But if she stays, Belmore Sally, there's no doubt she'll win. But it, it's, it's a big question mark for me. But it's a race I'd rather watch, to be honest, never bet in this race. What about you, Joe? Yeah, Belmore Sal is obviously the one to beat, the local lady. Um, she loves Crayford and it is a specialist track. You know, some dogs just don't handle it. But she's going to be short here. She's five to two in the outright market. Um, so I dread to think what she's going to be for this heat. And I just think Savannah Queen hasn't been running great lately. But but Savannah Queen stays. We know that. Short-headed by a mystical love in a, in a Galaxy trial stakes at Oxford over eight, four, seven. So from trap one, I just think if Savannah Queen... Um, can get in a decent enough position and, and run the track okay, then I think it's got a chance at pro- what's likely to be a decent prize. So, you know, I'm just going to take on Balmore Sally as a as a question mark over us seeing out the trip and go with Savannah Queen, who will. Okay, so Savannah Queen for Joe and myself and Lofty with Belmore Sally. We are now going to dive into Sheffield on a Saturday night because we've got the Steel City Puppy Derby. Easy for me to say. Three semi-finals of this, and the first lineup is Trap One, Pair Drops, Two, Skywalker Isaac, Three, Coppice Sire, Four, Distant Tanya, Five, Untold Zlotty, and Six, Droopy's Creative. Joe, who do you fancy? Thanks for coming to me first. Um, <laughs> I think I don't. I don't really know. Untold Zlotty. Beat Coolio Gold, obviously finalist in the Monmore Puppy Derby last week, and, and ran a really nice race. And I've I've seen that that he's been backed in the anti post markets on odds checker. He's 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 obviously been fancied around about eight to one in those markets. Um, I, I probably just side with with him. Um, it, it's a it's a tricky heat. I mean, Droop is creative. Stayed on well last week to win. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a strong opinion on this, but I think I'm just going to side with Untold Slotty. Untold's Lottie for Joe Lofty. 
Yeah, he's taken to uh, to Sheffield really well, actually, Untold Dotty. I mean, he's a great big unit, like 30, 39 kilos of a dog. I think there's another dog actually out of the same litter. It was like 42 kilos. Mm. Um, I, wow. think got, um, I think it's called Untold Quatcher. They're both the same uh, the same ownership owned by the, the Purdies. But, uh, yeah, that's a, like a 42-kilo monster. But so he's a big lad, 39 kilos. Got a nice bit of early pace. Just about sees a trip out. So he did well last week against Coolio Gold. Jupiter's creative, who I think can make a really, really nice stayer in time, actually. Um, I know a couple of people made a little few interest for this, trying to buy a dog, and I know it's Kevin's still got half of it, so that means definitely not for sale. But um, I think she'll be a nice dog. He steps over the trip over six bends. So I thought Sheffield would probably suit it as well, being the big galloping track that it is, although the bends are quite easy to run at Sheffield. So that could be the forecast there. But no, I'm told Lottie, so it took well to, uh, to Sheffield last week in the heat with a nice turn of early foot. And there's no reason why, again, he shouldn't lead around here and, uh, and make all the running with six to chase at home for the second qualifying spot, five, six. Totally with you. Everything you've said, uh, the pair of you, I do agree with. I like Untold's Lottie. think he could have quite a nice future. Now, the second semi-final sees Trap 1, Wiki Hiker. Two, Coolio Gold. Three, Droopy's Buzzer. Four, Easy. Five, uh, Kurz Kushti. And six, give me a break. I'll come to you first, Lofty. Thanks. Thanks very much. So, uh, yeah, Droopy's Droop, Buzzer, only a baby, created a really good impression last week, actually, winning in a, a 2882, which is, you know, is, a, is a fair run for a pup, uh, just improved slightly on the trial when he um, beat, give me a break in the trial. So, for a first run, you know, a lot of these Droopy's dogs, they're, they're usually fairly well scored, some of them, and other Droopy's Sydney, so probably would have been an expensive purchase, you can guarantee without a doubt, and that was a nice... The dog again agreeing. That was a very nice, very nice debut last week. Coolio Gold's got the rock solid form in the sheet. You know, I was very unlucky to find Brady's bullet, who just looks a bit of a freak really to um to pick him up in the the final at Monmore. The extra 20 metres here at Sheffield, as I say, Sheffield, you know, it's, it's a big wide gallop, Sheffield, but the bends are a lot easier to run and um Monmore seems more of a speed track. Sheffield maybe slightly more a track puts emphasis on stamina, but look, Coolio Gold's got it in the book as well. Couple of exciting sorts here, certainly. I mean, give me, give me a break. I thought ran well last week. My dog's desperate to get involved with this podcast as well. No, I can blame us. No, I can't, I can't blame him. We probably, <laughs> probably give fun. We're interested in what I've been as well. So he's better putting up winners than me. Look, yeah, give me a break too. I say it's been beaten by um, Jupy's buzzer in the trial, but did nothing wrong last week. Clocking a similar time as well. Good heat this year. This is a really, really good, uh, a really good semi final. I think whoever qualifies for this will certainly deserve their place in the final. But Coolio Gold's got a little touch of class about him. He's got it in the book. Although he got beat by Untold's Lottie in the heat, you know, Untold's Lottie might well thank the form in the early heat and uh, it'd be Coolio Gold for me from Trap 2. Coolio Gold for Lofty, Joe? Yeah, that was a fast heat, the Untold Lottie Coolio Gold one. So, uh, has to be respected and obviously got plenty of experience from from the um, Puppy Derby at Monmore. Droopers, Buzzers, interesting. You know, nice win last mm-hmm. time. Um, and, and has some really good early pace, you know, 424 and 422 at Sheffield so far. So that could lead. Um, and I have it between them two. And to be honest, it depends on the on the prices. Um, I'm guessing that Coolio Gold will be will be favourite. Um, and if so, it might be worth a little punt on, on Drooper's buzzer. Um, but yeah, between two and three. And I've got a little eye on Easy in Trap 4, who was third in the Untold Zlotty Heat last week. Did get crowded, though, early on. Was beaten eight lengths uh, on that occasion. But I just quite like Pastanas and could certainly improve on that uh, run from last week. So if you fancied something maybe bigger each way, could sneak into the front too. But Easy would be the one I'd have an eye on. I love Coolio Gold. think he's great. Um, 
I think Brady's bullet, like uh, Lofty said, a little bit of a freak. Absolutely love that run. But yeah, Coolio Gold's got the touch of class. I'd be going easy maybe for the forecast. Third semi-final. Scenes Trap 1, Savannah Shea, 2, Droopy's Fidget, 3, Ballymac Archer, 4, Witten Fabuloso, 5, Ranchers Rebel, and 6, Guna. Joe, it's your turn to go first. Are you with? Um, it's going to be hard to oppose. Anti-post favourite, Droopy's Fidget, 28-81 last week. Um, really nice run. Guna in, in 6. I think that was um, at Oxford Lofter, you'll correct me. Was that in the puppy comp? Or the maiden, the Guna run in the British bread. British bread. That was yeah. It was the race that it was the race that the um the whip the uh the the Carl Jackson dog one from Newcastle. And Romeo Atomic was in it. Romeo Atomic was beating favourite in the final. Yeah. The Witchell Witchell Watchall dog won the race. Sid. Yeah. Watchall. I don't backed it. I blow my trumpet. I actually backed it eleven to two in the final. Sid. That was in the last night. Yeah. Won the won the final there. That's correct. Yeah. That was the British bread. The British bread. bread. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Lofty. Yes. I know Guna was well fancied in that though. Wasn't he? So um, he, you know, he's a he's a nice he's a nice pup. Twenty nine zero four last time as well, which was a which was a nice run to to win by four lengths. But this droop is fidget. She looks like an absolute cracker, doesn't she? She she's a really special, nice dog, um, and I, it's hard to oppose. But but again, my point is, I'm sure she'll be very short again. Um, you know, if I have to make a selection, her. But I think Guna could um, fill fill the second spot. Droopy's fidget to beat Guna for Joe. Lofty? Yeah, she's she's got a miss break in a droopy's fidget, definitely. As you said, she was anti-post favourite for this, anti-post favourite for the uh, the Monmore comp at the start. But yeah, she certainly fluffed her lines in the uh, in, in the semi-final there. So he has got so she has got a miss break in her. Um look, she's the best, probably the best dog in here. I don't think Goon is the class at all. Savannah Shea, the top one is the interesting dog as well. Obviously, the one who uh, Kevin Booby paid big money for off the um, off the Greyhound Trader website. Some people thought he paid far too big a money for it, but that's conjecture to opinion. But you know, he's clearly a nice dog going forward. Only a youngster can, can certainly improve for that. All right, Bally Mac Archer here, actually, the dog from uh, Stuart Nailers, who's had always running around Sheffield, been stepped back in trip, but only got beaten by Guna last time. I thought he might be the dog here for the for the forecast link. And so I got some six uh, six sixty form on a card. I had a six sixty at Sheffield it was a bit of an odd trip, but they start right on the bend and literally just run a bend first of all, and then it's sort of five hundred. It's a it's a strange trip for a dog that stays and, and to bring him back, but he looks like he'll be he'll be getting the trip and he'll stay this trip strongly. So yeah, Jupy's fidget really is safe. She should be better class than these, but she has definitely got a miss break in her with a really, really short price. I'll be happy to take her on and lay her, but I'll certainly think Bally Mac Archer or Savannah Shea could fight out the forecast spot here and fight out the place in the final. Droopy's fidget may be a little short. Savannah Shea, Bally Mac Archer might represent a little bit of value. We've got some absolutely cracking competitions coming up this weekend. Hopefully we have found a few bets for you. Lofty, as always, it's a pleasure, but if you don't pick us any winners, you won't be back on. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. <laughs> I'll try my hardest to pick winners next time for you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.